One man, one mission, to equip the Church of Jesus Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit and awaken the Church to the voice of the Spirit. David Cuppet brings to you the School of the Holy Spirit from one of his many missions from around the world, where he aligns with apostolic leaders to eradicate spiritual blindness and reveal the true authority of believers in Christ, to prophesy, heal the sick, raise the dead, and cleanse the lepers. Open your heart and get ready to receive all that the Holy Spirit has for you in this week's session of the School of the Holy Spirit. School is in session. Yeah, you know, who wouldn't worship a God who couldn't overpower them, right? Most people try to approach uh, Christianity in a way that they understand and they process and they figure it out. And the reality is it's not about you figuring it out. It's about him revealing himself, right? The concept of Jesus Christ in the book of Revelation, the word revelation actually means the unveiling of Christ, right? So, So he actually reveals himself. You were, you were born into a world, into a reality um, that is actually in darkness. And until Christ actually unveils himself, right, um, you, ha- you have false perceptions, false understandings, false, uh, you know, every, it's just a lie, right? This, this world is a, is a trap. It's a, it's a prison in some ways um, until the Lord invades it through, through the people that he reveals himself. And um, you then become the light of the world, right? You become the salt. And, and without you um, releasing the supernatural in the world, um, Christ doesn't get truly unveiled, right? Religion, as much as they say, um, oh yeah, we believe in Jesus, but if Jesus isn't present revealing himself, um, you can talk about scripture all day long, but that's not, that's not the real Jesus. The real Jesus is God present, Right? Amen. 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 All right. So, um, <laughs> yeah, it's about it's about the impartation. It's about the the encounter. And, and so I want to I just want to spend some time talking this morning to you about it. And then uh, we'll kind of jump into some ministry and stuff. Um, but, you know, something that's near and dear to my heart is this concept of um, <clears throat> would you rather have the the lover or would you just settle for the love letter Whoa. because the lo- the love letter a lot a, a lot of people re- religion settles for the love letter and they think they know the lover but the, the love letter all the love letter can do is actually entice you to hunt the lover yeah. right the 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 relational dynamic of what Jesus um, really did on the cross is so much more than just give you words on paper, right? The, the cross actually conquered death, hell, the grave, or conquered the separation, um, and its intent is to reveal this living Christ. Amen? And so, <clears throat> you know, the, the concept of, yeah, the, the, Bible, the Bible is real, it's true, um, it is the Word of God. It is what the Lord spoke in times past. But it, it's really a love letter, okay? It's a love letter. So if I'm, if I'm, you know, if all my wife gets from me are love letters, and I'm, I live in California, she lives in Florida, and all she gets from me is love letters, what's her perception of me? 
It's only what is put on paper, right? But if I, but if I'm with my lover, <laughs> it's fireworks, baby, right? <laughs> and so we had some fireworks in here last night, right? Yeah. Right. There's people weeping, crying. The, the power of God is present. Um, Jesus, the preacher, right? The real preacher stepped into the room and, and began to reveal himself. And things that you couldn't process in your head were actually imparted to your heart because there was intimacy. Come on. Right? The intimate uh, God present revealed himself and you got to touch him. Awesome. Right? Yeah. I don't know about you, but when I roll over and I, I touch Miss Shelley here, or if she touches me, you know, I don't know, fireworks, right, babe? <laughs> You got the picture, right? I won't go any deeper than that. <laughs> oh my goodness. I'm, uh, <laughs> woo! <laughs> I got to have my Shelly every day. <laughs> anyway, you get the picture. <laughs> um, but that's the point of love. That's the point of, and you know, religion dumbs this thing down to... Um, you know, you know, Sunday morning, and then you go try to live your life, um, and it doesn't work. It's 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 powerless. And so, my question to you is: and this is this is probably one of the heart elements of, of my ministry. Um, are you in Bible school, or are you in supernatural ministry school to represent the one you sit with? The, one, the presence of the God you know and the way you actually release Him on earth. Mm. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, Isaiah 28, verse 5 and 6 talks about um, when the crown of Christ comes upon you, the believer, you then become a gate that releases God present on the earth. Okay? You write that one down. Isaiah, Isaiah 28, verse 5 and 6. Um, you are to be the gate of heaven. Okay? The gate, the gate somebody who is a gate of heaven, um, it, it, it kind of functions on the same mindset that I talked to you guys about last night, right? Where you're not beating somebody over the head with a Bible, trying to prove Scripture is true and philosophically you know, this denomination thinks this, this denomination thinks that, and you have all these people that separate themselves because of a different interpretation of Scripture when they're all supposed to be connected by the one you know. And the, vo- the church is void of true discernment, okay? True discernment is a spiritual impartation. We talked last night about Isaiah 11 and what Jesus was clothed in. It says Jesus was covered in the sevenfold spirit of God, right? The spirit of wisdom, spirit of understanding, spirit of counsel, spirit of might, the spirit of knowledge, or what we defined last night as a spirit of intimacy, and the fear of the Lord, okay? And, and, and if you continue in verse 3 and 4 of Isaiah 11, it talks about um, Jesus did not judge by the seeing of the eye or the hearing of the ear. He's talking about looking in the natural, because he was connected to the Father in a relationship 
He was spiritually connected to heaven. And he judged, not according to the world, he judged according to the vision, to the encounter in the heart of his father. And he released supernatural things on the earth. Right? So it says Jesus did not judge by the hearing of the ear or the seeing of the eye, but he judged with true discernment. Okay? You, as a supernatural ministry school lover of God, lover of the presence of the Lord, will develop a relationship with the presence so profoundly that you do not judge. A person comes in here, they're broken, they're demonized, they were in witchcraft. You don't judge them guilty. You actually, in relationship, you discern what the Father wants to do and you speak into their life to bring deliverance and healing to their life, to bring them close, to bring them um, out of the darkness and into the presence that they are the beloved, right? They, no matter how the world define them, you actually pull and, and uh, grab hold of them and bring them in to the arms of the Father. Amen? Amen. So, <laughs> so are you doing that? Yes. Or are you spending all your time trying to learn the Bible? Listen, I love the Bible. But what I, what I learned when I started falling in love with the Lord... Um, and I would pray, and I kind of witnessed a lot about this last night. I would pray in the, in the Holy Ghost. I would pray in tongues for hours. I mean I, would, I mean, I would go to sleep at maybe 10 o'clock. I'd wake up wide awake at an hour later at 11. I'd get, get up, get out of my office, and I'd start praying. I couldn't stop praying because the presence, the presence of God would fill my room. And the next thing you know, it's 5 a.m. I'm like, oh, my gosh, i got to go to work. <laughs> and I, I'm just I'm getting wrecked. Because I fell in love with the presence of the Lord, and He would He would just start speaking to me, um, and and just this revelation where He would actually He'd say, "All right, we're gonna we're gonna talk about Ephesians today. We're gonna go to Ephesians one." He would take me He would take me and He start talking about talking. You know, here's the, what this really means. Here's this is what this this is. You know, He would He. My relationship was the primary. Yes. Okay? Yeah. My, my goal as a Christian wasn't to learn and understand the Bible. It's not your goal. You're not a Bible worshiper. You're, you are a worshiper of the living God. Yeah. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Right? And so do you spend your time trying to figure out Scripture? Or do you fall in love with the presence of the Lord and let Him reveal Himself? Because your heart became one with, with the one who loves you. Yeah. Amen? I mean, religion will center everything biblically. Well, it doesn't say that. It says this. Well, that's not what that means. And you know what? That's th- that, that falls under the category of a ph- philosophical denominational difference. Right? We have hundreds, hundreds, even thousands of denominations that divide themselves because of, in, of a different interpretation. But the reality is, Jesus wants to pull everybody close so that you can truly discern. Because, because you can have different interpretations that are true at different times, depending on the situation. Okay? Once a scripture actually has multiple meanings, it actually has different interpretations and the Lord will use different scriptures or the same scripture at different times to actually use to, to reveal different meanings 
And so the centerpiece is the one who speaks and reveals, not you thinking you are what you are because of what you know, right? We defined last night um, this spirit of knowledge is about intimacy with the one who speaks, the relationship, and not you feeling comfortable because you know a bunch of stuff. So good. The Pharisees knew a bunch of stuff, and Jesus called them dead men. I love Matthew 23. I love it. Jesus confronted the, the, the spirit of religion, and he's looking at these Pharisees who they memorized the Bible, right? They knew what it said. And Jesus looked at him and said, you are dead men's bones. You are blind guides. You are of your father, the devil. Whoa. But they knew scripture. They knew what the scripture said. And Jesus said, you have no idea. You think you're alive, but you're dead. You're dead. Hogs, dogs, sepulchers, whitewashed tombs. And the list, he, it was like, my God, Jesus, give him a break, Jesus. And the Pharisees just kept coming. I know this. I know this. I know this. And Jesus kept going, you don't know me. You're blind spiritually. You don't know me. You can't see me. The very thing that the scripture pointed to that a savior would come, the Pharisee made an idol of the Bible and it, it, it made them blind. Yeah. They were spiritually blind because the twisting of sin in the heart creates a pride on knowledge. Yeah. Right? If you go back to the garden, yeah. you go back to the garden, you have the tree of life, which we planted here last night. And then you have the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Two different knowledges. Knowledge of, of stuff. Knowledge of information versus knowing the one who lives. That's where life comes from. It's subtle. But one gives life and one is deadly. Right? You get that? You see, if you can get that in your head, you're light years above 90% of the church. Okay? 90% of the church is dead and, and center themselves on Bible worship. They settle for the love letter instead of the lover. Amen? Okay? They settle for the, the love letter instead of the lover. And um, I talked to you last night about, you know, the, the, the uh, spirit of knowledge, the word yada, meaning intimacy. It's referenced in the Old Testament many times. The first time it's used... Um, is in, in Genesis 4, it talks about uh, when Adam knew his wife, right? They were intimate and they produced, they multiplied on the earth. It uses the word yada, they were intimate, right? It, it's, it, was a, it was a heart-to-heart uh, uh, connection that produced life, okay? Um, and the, the New Testament version of that word is actually the word genisco. It's, it's, the, uh, it's the, the Greek word um, that means to know him. It's not knowledge, not, not earthly knowledge, right? In Ephesians 1.17, this is a famous, a famous scripture in the charismatic world. Um, a lot of people focus on the concept of wisdom and revelation, but I want to reveal to you um, that actually the spirit of knowledge or the, the word genisco um, the intimacy, the yada, is actually the centerpiece of what Paul is trying to portray 
in Ephesians 1, 17 and 18. He says, for always pray to the God, I, for I always pray to the Lord, um, uh, our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, that he may grant you the spirit of wisdom and revelation of insight into mysteries and secrets in the deep and intimate knowledge of him by having the eyes of your heart flooded with light so that you may know and understand the hope by which he calls you. And so that word knowledge there is the word um, genosko or, or epigenosis. Um, it's the Greek meaning of to actually be intimate with Christ himself. And out of that intimate relationship, wisdom and revelation are imparted to you. Your eyes are open spiritually. You begin to uh, discern and see and, and know the heart of God for the world. Okay? <clears throat> Amen? You guys still with me? Oh, yeah. And so that relational dynamic is extremely important um, as, as you... You guys are in, 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 in school, right? You guys are, are obviously pursuing something. But I think one of the most sickening things... Um, when, when you look at, there's many young people with calls of God on their life and they get sucked into, um, cemeteries or I'm sorry, seminaries. Uh, wait, did I, I'm, I, I outward process sometimes. So, um, <laughs> I'm just having fun. <laughs> seminaries who try to teach people the Bible without the Holy Ghost. Doesn't work, and it's a, it's dead. They're, they produce Pharisees. They pr- they produce people that literally they had a, they had a legit call on their life, and they come out of seminary in their own strength, like a Pharisee. Right. I know this. Jesus said to do that, and they create all these the, you know ministry concepts to entice the world to come, which actually isn't a representation of Christ. Yeah. Christ used the supernatural to reveal himself and the purpose of God. He didn't use enticing, seeker-sensitive systems and things that, well, we can get out of the park and get, get a couple people or a hundred people to listen. And No, what did Jesus tell you to do? Okay, those are two different things. And they actually never are taught the voice of the Lord. They're actually taught a whole bunch of biblical scripture. Okay? And... <clears throat> The Bible, don't get me wrong, I love the Bible. The Lord, for probably about five years, spent hours and hours every day um, as the Lord was revealing Scripture to me, okay? I, could, I couldn't understand the difference if, if I didn't depend and know the Lord in His intent and how He revealed um, things to me, okay? So uh, <clears throat> the emphasis point with this is it's all centered around knowing Him, knowing this living God, right? And so my question to you is, how do you approach your, your relationship? Are you dependent on this uh, ama- amazing set of pastors you have <laughs> to, take, to, to, to teach you specific scriptures and all that kind of stuff? Or do you come together with the concept of you're pursuing the presence of the Lord, each of you independently, and are relying on Him to give you downloads to reveal His his, his intent, His purpose. What are we going to do today? What's the Lord going to teach today? Come What's on. the Lord showing in vision today? What is the Lord doing here today? Yeah. Not what scriptures we're going to pound in your head. That's right. Amen? Right. There's a difference. Yeah. Living. It's living, right? <laughs> Amen. Amen. So, <laughs> uh, so 
So let me, let me just contrast a couple concepts for you. Um, so we talked last night about the tree of life that contains the presence, the gifts of the Lord. Okay, and, how, and if you eat from the tree, if you eat from the, the source of life, the gifts will just flow out of you. It's not like you just have to say, I want the, the gift of healing. I want the, this gift or I want that gift and I want to do this gift. You know, a lot of people get caught and say, oh, I just, I'm just a healer. I just do healing. That's my thing. Or I just do prophecy. That's my thing. Or I just interpret tongues. That's my thing. Well, I would challenge you that every gift of the Spirit will flow out of you yeah. when you take a step back and you discern yeah. the voice of the Lord and His vision and what the Lord wants to do. Yeah. How many different gifts did you see functioning up here last night? Okay, yeah, you saw, you saw pretty much the whole gamut. Because when I went to one person, the Lord wanted to do one thing because I waited on His vision. And the Lord ripped something out of somebody and imparted what He wanted into a person. Then we go over to another person where He wants to cast a demon out of a person. Right? And bring mass deliverance to a person. And, then we, and, and so you get the point, right? It's not about you saying, I'm just, I, my gift is healing. It's actually about you having such a deep relationship with the Lord that no matter what He says, you're going to do it. And there might be a healing, there might be a deliverance, there might be um, the presence, the love of the Father, and adoption into the kingdom. It's what's, what's, what's Jesus want to do, right? Yeah. That's right? It's what Jesus wants to do. So say this with me. Say, Jesus, Jesus I'm laying down my life. I'm laying down my life. I'm going to die. I'm gonna die so that you will live. So that you will live in me. Whatever you want to do. Whatever you want to do. Give me vision. Give me vision. Give me dreams. And I'll do it. Amen. Amen. Come on. So so Paul sends all this. He spends all this time um, talking about how the church should be built and what the centerpiece of the church should be. Okay, and in First Corinthians fourteen. He's talking about the value of prophecy and how important prophecy is. Prophecy, the way, the way I view prophecy, prophecy is actually just the depth of the vision of the Lord. And out of the spirit of prophecy, every gift will flow. Okay? So like I said, last night you saw all these different functions of the spirit happen because I, I stepped back and let the preacher preach. Okay? And so Paul spends all this time, he says, I wish, in, in 1 Corinthians 14, 5, he says, I wish you all prayed in tongues, even more that you prophesy. Okay? And what he's talking about, he's getting back to, the, to, to Pentecost, where this, the wind of God came, right? They prayed in tongues, and there's a pattern throughout the whole New Testament. They prayed in tongues, then they prophesied, and they got intoxicated with what the Lord was doing. The vision of God was, was poured out and they became so overcome, like drunk, <laughs> intoxicated, like, ah, ah, like, like literally t- the, the Lord, because the Lord released his spirit and they began to pray with the spirit, right? Praying. It's a very important thing. You're praying with the spirit. And as you are, it's actually a heart position of relating. You're, 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 you're connecting. 
You're um, embracing the way of the Spirit. So good. So you, you begin to pray, and when you begin to pray in tongues, prophecy will flow out of you because tongues actually induces the, the Spirit of God to be open to you, to be unveiled to you, okay? And we're going to get to tongues here in a minute because tongue, tongues are a very deep element of your walk. Every one of you are going to be made supernatural to the degree that you embrace the language that he gives you. Okay, and we'll talk about that in a second. But the point of 1 Corinthians 14 is when, when you get down into um, the depths of 1 Corinthians 14, he talks about when the unbeliever walks into the church, how will they know, right? How will they experience the spirit of knowledge, right? Is it, is it, is it the repeating of Scripture or is it the body discerning the voice of the Lord and all of a sudden, three people get a word for the new guy that was uh, in witchcraft. And somehow he gets pulled in here to the, to the church by the Holy Ghost. And three people all of a sudden have a word for this guy. And, and these, these visions start to be spoken into this young man. And the vision of the Lord actually speaks and reveals Jesus. And you may say, well, where's that at? Well, if you get down to 1 Corinthians 14, uh, verse 20 uh, through 25, it actually says that when the vision of the Lord is spoken into the heart, the secrets of the heart are revealed and thus falling down on their face, they will declare that God is real. God is real. How many people were laying here on the floor shaking in the presence of God last night Saying, my God is real. Yeah. My God is real. He's real. <laughs> I used to think maybe I hoped in him. I, I, I need, like I know I needed him, but I never knew he was real. But all of a sudden, my God, he's real. Something came out of a man's mouth that released this presence on me. And for some reason, all I can do is shake and vibrate. Say this with me. Say, Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost. Give me visions and dreams that will cause the world to vibrate in your presence. They will lay on the ground and decree that Jesus is alive. He's real and he's present with me. Amen. So again, I'll say it. Religion has dumbed down Christianity to explaining the Bible. The Pharisees knew the Bible. The book of James, James 2 says Satan knows the Bible. Satan actually knows the Bible. And the Pharisees thought they were righteous because they knew the Bible. Jesus said, you were of your father, the devil. That should scare the living daylights out of you. Oh, my God. My knowledge of the book means nothing. You see, when I walk into a place where the Lord calls me, I get calls from, from pastors to come different places. I sit back and the first thing I do is say, what are you doing, preacher? <laughs> what are you doing, preacher? What is the mission? What is the message? What is the impartation? I don't just, think, I don't just go places to talk about Jesus. I go places to deposit something. Yeah. The prophetic anointing deposits something. Yeah. So if I come to a place and nothing is deposited, I wasted my time. I misrepresented the one who sent me. 
good. That's real good. That's calling it. But if I sit back and say, what is your vision for Life Church Muskoka? What do you want Life Church Muskoka to be? How powerful do you want this body to be? What are they ready to embrace? What are you going to rip out of them and deliver them from so that they embrace the lover and they become this supernatural warriors on earth because they know the God who is fearless, who actually doesn't fear the darkness, raises people up to embrace the fact that they're going to be sent in the darkness. They're going to be sent into impossible situations. They're going to hunt down the crippled. They're going to hunt down the lame. They're going to hunt down the spiritually blind because they know if they get a vision, something supernatural is going to happen. They came to deposit glory. You see, you are a depositor of the glory. Yeah. Isaiah, Isaiah um, 28, 5 and 6 Whoa. talks about you being a gate of the glory. Whoa. You are to carry the presence, the yeah. glory of God. You don't tote around the Bible. <laughs> you may say, why do you keep talking about this single point of the Bible? Because if you don't have it in the right perspective, you'll begin worshiping it like a Pharisee, and, and it's a substitute. It's actually a disrespecting thing because you, in your own heart, subtly think you're checking the box and trying to learn stuff biblically instead of spending your time trying to know the one who speaks. Right. So, 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 so I'll ask you about your prayer life. Tell me about your prayer life. Tell me about what he has spoken to you about this week. Tell me about what he's going to do in your family. Tell me about how he's talking to you about your role in this church. You know, this, the, the, uh, the value, I keep just going, the value system of the Holy Spirit. This, is, this, is, this weekend is really about your mind being set on valuing the Holy Spirit. It is the most important thing. And in fact, Jesus said this, and a lot of people don't understand it. Jesus said, if you reject me, oh well, there's still forgiveness for you. But if you reject my spirit, if you reject my spirit, you're dead. There is no forgiveness. You want the fear, you want the fear of God to follow you? Value the Holy Spirit as the most important thing in your life. Because here's the deal. You say, well, why do, we, why do we claim Christianity in America, yet all these churches are literally dead? You know why? Because they became philosophical Bible worshipers. And they neglected the Holy Spirit. Did the early church have a Bible? No. On the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit was poured out, did the common man have a Bible? No. Number one, the Old Testament, the Torah, they didn't have printing presses. All they had was scrolls inside the temple. And the New Testament never existed. So on the day of Pentecost, when the power of God was poured out, what did they have? All they had was the Holy Ghost. There was no fake thing. It was glorious. You either knew the Holy Ghost and started doing supernatural things because that was the proof of Him present. The Lord doesn't just sit there and not do supernatural things. You either knew the Holy Ghost or you didn't, <clears throat> okay? Yeah. And the subtle thing in America, North America, I know the same problem exists in Canada, um, the, the, because you tote this Bible, 
you look righteous. Because you come on Sunday, right? You look, you look pretty religious. No, thank you. And the reality is, what we're doing here today is redefining what a Christian is. If there's not miracle signs and wonders and supernatural things flowing through your life, you're missing it, bro. You're fake. I'm going to call you what Jesus called the Pharisee. Dead man's bones, whitewashed tombs, sepulchers, hogs, dogs. You're a, you're a snake. You are, a, you are a, a viper. You are of your father, the devil. You've been deceived. And we need to get you baptized in the Holy Ghost, delivered, so that you hey. set your Bible down and you start carrying the Holy Ghost yeah. into Tim Hortons, into the grocery stores, into everywhere you walk. Yeah. Amen? Say this. Say, Jesus, Jesus. I repent. For in, for every way, for every way. Religion that religion deceived me, I'm laying down the book, I'm down the book. so I can meet the lover. So I'm laying down that love letter. I'll not try to self-interpret it without the one who speaks. Make me supernatural. In Jesus' name. You see, in every stage of growth, we can all get deceived. Okay? Yeah, that's, that's true. In every stage Whoa. of growth, you can default back to what you know instead of who you know. Wow. The Lord, wow. the Lord. <laughs> wow. I don't have time to tell the whole story, but the Lord came to me supernaturally in a, few, in a, in a handful of dreams. I referenced it last night. Um, he said, go to, uh, a man from India is going to call you and you're to go. Um, seven days later, I get this call from India. Um, I, I'm the next. I'm literally standing in front of thousands of people at crusades, um, ministering to people. Okay, and when I first got there, when I, I'm like, I'm like, I had been trained in the Holy Spirit. I knew the Holy Spirit, but suddenly my mind gets overwhelmed with the fact that literally they had me scheduled in two or three churches every day, crusade at night, <laughs> pastors' conference. Next day, crusade at night. Three, four churches the next day, crusade at night. Pastor's conference the day after that, a different city, crusade, two, three, four thousand people at night. Seven, eight, nine, ten days every day. And I'm sitting there going, I got to start writing. Oh my gosh, I got to start writing. What am I going to do this one? I mean, I started mapping out my week. I had this message for this group. This is a good message for these pastors. And I, <laughs> this is kind of funny because I, I'm preaching Holy Ghost, right? And I'm like, I, I'm like, my mind starts racing. Like, how, where am I going to get all the materials for this? And I, I mean, I, I never preach the same thing. I just, it comes out a little different, but it ultimately is the same message if, if you listen to my stuff. Um, but I'm, I'm like, I'm starting to get overwhelmed with the reality of, my God, you, you called me to this place and I got to prepare all this stuff. And, I mean, holy crap. Like, like in a matter of a week, seven, eight days, I'm going to be literally preaching 15 hours a day, every day. And I have to have 35, 40 messages. <laughs> and so I... I, I I, I start writing. I mean, and I, you know, when you do, there was a, a period of four or five years where the Lord literally separated me from America. I, I wasn't focused on any American church, didn't do anything. And so, you know, people 
most people don't know my name because from 2016 till 2021, the Lord literally isolated me and all my work was in India. Okay. And so, um, so I, I was in this mindset of crusades. I was, I was a mission minded guy. Um, every three, four months when I would go back to India for anywhere from a week to two weeks, it was, it was what I described. Three, four churches every day, crusade at night. I mean, literally 12, 15 hours of ministry every day. Um, and when I would leave, I'd be so exhausted um, that I would literally sleep for three days. And that's, I'm not lying. I mean, I literally was so exhausted. I would sleep for three days. Um, but when I first, back to my, the point of my story, um, I land my first, I, I land in India and I'm, <laughs> I'm going through no, it's a 15 hour plane ride from New York to New Delhi. In total, it takes about 40 hours with your travel inside of America to get to, to, to New York, New York to Delhi. And then I had two connections in India to get to where I was going. It's literally like 40 hours of travel. Okay. And so the whole time I'm, I'm awake. I can't sleep on airplanes. I'm going through my notes, man. Uh, and I'm, <laughs> I'm prepping my notes. I'm getting ready. And, um, we, you know, I'm exhausted 40 hours. We get to our hotel. I go to sleep. I wake up the next morning and all of a sudden the Lord hits it like, boom, he hits me right in the face. And he says, I didn't bring you here to talk about me. I brought you here to introduce me. Huh. And it took me right back to the simplicity of trusting his voice. Yes. And you guess what happened to all my notes? Burn, baby. Everything that I spent months <laughs> building literally got pushed aside. And for a week, I mean, it was, it was the most supernatural week of my life. I would, I would I, you know, you're tired. I put my head back in the car from going from one church to the next. And all of a sudden, the Lord would, would say, this church is, is uh, the, uh, the, the woman with, with the issue of blood. And I, I'd say, okay. I'd get, like in that story, I stood up. I start, start to talk about the woman with the issue of blood. The pastor's wife gets up. She screams. She runs back to the back. Um, three, four women follow her out, out of the church. Um, and the, you could tell the pastor of the church was like, he's looking back. He's looking at me. And. All of a sudden, he stands up and stops the service. He comes to my interpreter and starts talking in Hindi to my interpreter. And I don't know what's going on, right? And my interpreter turns to me and he says, he wants to know how you knew that his wife has an issue of blood. Oh. And I, <laughs> and <laughs> I mean, this is no joke. This, this is what the Lord did to me. Okay. And so... Um, Five minutes goes by, the pastor's still interacting, and I don't even know if the service is going to keep going, okay? And there's, there's 100 or so people in this small little church, and um, all of a sudden, one of the women that followed uh, the pastor's wife out the back door, she comes back in, speaking in Hindi. And every, everybody's standing up, and they start to cheer, and the pastor, the pastor, you could tell, and, I, and the pastor's going back and forth with my interpreter, and the, and the interpreter wants to know how you knew his wife had an issue of blood, and how she got healed after over 20 years of bleeding. Wow. Come on. Come on, Jesus. But I can tell you story after story after story that what I thought I was going to preach at a church, I learned to just literally sit back. <laughs> 
what are we doing? What are we talking about? And, and sometimes it was a word of knowledge about calling out a specific person that had a certain color, you know, dress or something on. Other times it was go to this scripture and just talk about this and I'll take care of the rest. Um, and the Lord just trained me. I, there was so much ministry I could not prepare in the American churchianity way concept. American churchianity is the pastor has one service on, on Sunday and spends time all week preparing for it and develops this stuff that he builds. All nice and flow and all this stuff. And the Lord's like, yeah, we don't do that here. <laughs> Yeah, we don't do that here. <laughs> yeah, they try to do that over in America, but, you know, we don't do that here. <laughs> and I just, I just learned, what are we doing, Jesus? What are, what are you going to talk about, Jesus the preacher? Who is it in the crowd that, wants, that needs healed? Who is it that you want delivered? Come on. And sometimes he gives me certain people, sometimes... You know, like the message last night, he planned that, right? The whole thing was, the whole message was a prophecy to you, okay? Which is amazing. I just, I mean, Lord, have somebody prophesy to me like that for a couple hours. But you get the picture? And if you've never experienced supernatural like that, well, let let me say this. If you never have flowed in the gift of the Spirit, that may be a hard concept for you to understand. You mean Jesus really talks to you about that level of detail of things to people? Yeah. Yeah, he does. Um, And so I want to talk to you just for a minute about uh, encounters, and then we're going to pray for a minute. But before I talk to you about encounters, I I want to just use one more example about the difference between... Um, systematic approach to biblical concepts or even spiritual concepts versus always defaulting back to the voice and the presence of the Lord. Okay? How many many of you have ever heard of Word of Faith? Yep. Okay, Word of Faith basically takes the Bible and says these are the biblical principles, they're true, they're real, which that's true, but they basically say that if you have faith, you line up to the Bible and you actually demonstrate the Bible. Okay, so for example, God heals, right? Mm-hmm. There's a lot of people who will pray for, for people out of a principle, but they get burned out because all they're doing is whoever's sick, they just they start, they start praying for them, okay? And so just to help you explain um, what I'm trying, trying to talk about here is, um, can a dead clock be right twice a day? A dead clock is right twice a day. Even though it's dead, it's right. So if you follow a print, the, the, the point here is if you follow a principle, if you put 100 people up here and they all need healing, the grace of God is going to heal a couple of them just because you are a conduit and pray for somebody to get healed. Okay? Um, but the point is if you're functioning out of a principle, you're not led by the voice. Yeah. The voice never gets tired. People say, how could you preach 15 hours a day for 10 days straight in India? I don't know. The voice never gets tired. Yeah. 
That's right. How can, how can I spend six hours doing what I did last night, literally pouring out into people yeah. and stand up here still like I can feel electricity on me? Yeah. And if you want to stay here all day, we'll stay here all day. Okay? How's that happen? Because I'm voice dependent and not principle dependent. Good. If you're principle dependent, you will run out of gas. Yeah. If you're voice dependent, there is no end of gas. That's right. Okay? So good. There's a difference between following principle versus following the voice. Yeah. In uh, 2 Samuel chapter 5, David is made king. Okay? The Philistines come against him to test him and challenge him. But he, David stops, asks the Lord, what do I do? And the Lord tells him to go down to the valley. Um, and he stops at the, at the uh, mulberry trees. Yeah. He begins to pray and he asks the Lord, what do I do? And the Lord gave him specific instruction. Yeah. Go this way around the tree. He comes out. They annihilate the Philistine army. Several months later, the Philistines rally. They come back. Yeah. They actually meet on the same exact battlefield. David gets his army together, goes down to the mulberry trees, and stops. He asks the Lord again, what do I do? And the next thing that happens is the Lord goes, you're going to come around the front side of the mulberry trees. And David, that's where the scripture, I hear the sound of marching in the trees. The angel army was with David as he went onto the battlefield this time. Amen? And so you, the point is, David always sought the voice of God. And so when the father says, I love David so much that I'm going to send my son Jesus as the son of David, it was out of the covenant that the father made with David because the father said, David is a man after my heart. He literally chased the heart of God. Yes. Right? Yes. So the concept of, of sons of David are hearts that are waiting on the Lord to speak instead of in your own mind. Come on. How many, how many, uh, how many of you would say, well, the, I went to the mulberry trees the last time and the Lord told me to do this, so I'm just going to do it. No. David waited on the Lord so in this very exact same place and the Lord instructed him to go around a different time different and the way. angel army did the work. Different way. Yep. Amen? Yep. You, get the, you get the difference. You, you can actually do something spiritual but if you make it a principle, you actually neglect the voice and rely on a principle. Yeah, and then you're in your own strength. That's called a Bible worshiper. <laughs> you get the picture? Yeah. That's so good. This, I mean, this, the, the knife that we brought out last night, we're continuing to cut deep. But you guys are, you guys are in the school of supernatural ministry. Yeah, you're going to start doing supernatural things, yeah. not because of principles you know. It doesn't matter who knows more Bible knowledge. Right. I don't care what you have memorized. It doesn't matter. It's he who hears the voice. It's he who subjects himself to the Spirit and hears what the Spirit is saying to, yes. to, to the earth. Yes, that's right. The greatest Christian is the greatest receiver. The greatest Christian is the one positioned to receive what the Lord is saying because the Lord will do wondrous works through the one who submits himself to the Spirit. Yes. And not one who looks righteous because of how much he knows. That's so good. It's who you know, not what you know. And you, and you may say, well, why are you so confident in that? Well, lesson after lesson. <laughs> India. India, I mean, I, India was a whole new level of being messed up in the reliance of the Holy Spirit. Okay? 
I used to, I used to, you know, when I first got baptized in the Holy Ghost, I used to stand in the back of the church, and man, I was just, I wanted, I wanted to see the power of God poured out, and I would literally ask the Lord, "Who, Lord?" And as by the end of worship, I would have five people lined up that we would, we would say after service, sometimes till 12, 12 a.m., 1 a.m., with those five people ministering, casting out demons, getting people healed because of what the Lord was speaking to them. We had, we had more church after service than we did in service. Amen. <laughs> So say this with me, Jesus, Jesus. I repent for being a dead clock. Make me alive. Make me know the times, the seasons, the visions, the purpose. Put me in the right place at the right time for the right people with the right message. And I'll watch. Your wondrous works, your miracles, your signs, your wonders. Be the minister, Jesus. I'm stepping out of the way so that you can be present. Oh, my goodness. Okay, so do you know that your heart, a heart that loves him back as much as he loves you, has the power to take you out of a dead place? and into a place of life. No matter what situation you're in life right now, your prayer life can unlock heaven in a way that heaven literally invades your life. You have the power to induce a counter in your life. If you are baptized in the Holy Ghost, you are given the key, which is the Holy Spirit, you are given the key to unlock heaven. You see, in the Old Testament, when they, were, when they carried the ark, it was, a, it was a dead process. There was no hope, right? The words on stone revealed the deadness in their heart. But when Jesus conquered death, hell, and the grave, yeah. right? He gave the key. The yes. Holy Ghost is the key. The Holy Ghost can get you into places yes. that the Old Testament yeah. couldn't get you into. The key opens the door of heaven. So you have, if you are baptized in the Holy Ghost, there is no reason why you've not been to heaven yet. That's right. Who here has never been to heaven? Show, come on, show your hands. Do not hide your hands. Who here has never been to heaven? <laughs> of those people who, who put their hand up and said they've never been to heaven, are you all baptized in the Holy Spirit? Everybody here now is baptized in the Holy Spirit, right? So what's your excuse? So, let, <laughs> so I'm going to teach you something so that there's, there's, there's going to be no excuses. You guys should have um, a, a, an entering heaven contest. <laughs> Come on, man. We've got to set some, some amazing stretch goals. I work in the corporate world. We're always, we're always setting stretch goals. Okay. I'm, I'm giving you a stretch goal. Come on. Your stretch goal is the next time I come back here, that there's people lined up at the door, at the door to tell me their story of how they encountered Christ in heaven and what he imparted to them, yeah. the abilities he gave them, the, the, the message he gave them. Amen? Yeah, yeah. Man, I feel the Holy wow. Ghost on that. Amen? Hey! But let me tell you something about 
principle again. I, I want to go back to principle before we get into encounter. Principle will wear you out, okay? I, you know, I just, the Lord opens these doors for me to talk in places that are just really, really wild and crazy. And um, my kids are all students at Bethel School of Supernatural Ministry. And um, I ended up interacting with a few people. I, I got invited to speak to Bethel's resurre- resurrection team. You ever hear of Bethel's resurrection team? Yes, I've heard of it. Okay, so their, their mission is to raise the dead, which is a great concept. Okay? Their mission is to raise the dead. And so I get invited, and we're in this, these, uh, you know, there's about 40 people in this, on this team, and so they all meet at one of the guys has a real big house, and we're all sitting around the table um, talking, and within five minutes, every one of these people are, are sitting at this table and they're just like, man, I'm so worn out. I'm so tired. I'm, I, you know, I, and I'm like, what, what's wrong? What, you know, tell, tell me about what's going on. And they're like, yeah, we got up at 2 a.m. We prayed for this person. Nothing happened. Um, you know, and last week we just, we just haven't seen anybody resurrected. Um, but they're running around like chickens with their head cuts off, cut off on a principle that their sole mission is to resurrect people. Okay? And so I start teaching these guys exactly what I just taught you, that you're not born to function out of a principle. What if Jesus wants you um, to heal the family that's surrounding the dead guy? What if Jesus wants you to minister um, to, to, different, to, to different things. You guys have locked yourself into, you've named yourself your mission, you've named yourself resurrection, and so you put this pressure on yourself and your focus on all you're supposed to do is resurrect people, but that's not the way Jesus works. That's right. Jesus works on relationship, not yes. spiritual principle. Yes, yes, yes. The spiritual principle can wear you out. Although one person prayed for a dead guy and they got healed, and Jesus says that you'll raise the dead, you'll cast out devils, you'll do this. If you focus on one thing because it's a principle and you wear yourself out trying to pray for some for people and nothing happens and you get discouraged, guess what? You neglected the source of life and, and, and relied on a, on, a, on a system. Faith only comes from one place. You cannot generate faith. We talked about that last night. Romans 10, 17. Faith comes from hearing. The word koe, encounter. And hearing from the rhema, the vision of God. So your encounters, what Jesus talks to you about in your prayer life, is where faith comes from. You should not be doing things that you're not called to do. Your calling, the way the Lord speaks to you, defines your calling. And you yes. should be settled in what he's speaking to you. If your call is to children, yet you're working with the elderly, you're in the wrong place. Mm. <laughs> Why isn't God speaking to me? I, he's talking to you about children, but you're spending your time with the elderly. Get the picture? Mm-hmm. Say this. Say, Jesus, Jesus. speak clearly to me. Speak in the next 30 days. In the next 30 days. That I would know my place and purpose. That I would not be a victim of principle. That I would flow in the power of your spirit. To give life to the people you call me to. In Jesus' name. So real quick. Um, 
I'm not going to tell you the whole story, but the first time I was taken to heaven was a life-changing, transforming moment for me. Like I said, I would stand in the back of the church, you know, in the first couple years of being baptized in the Holy Spirit, the Lord would speak to me periodically about people, okay? But what I learned is every encounter with, with Christ, there's encounters where the Spirit interacts with you, and then there's encounters where Jesus himself interacts with you. Okay, and when I was uh, in 2011, um, I I received a prophecy from an 18 year old kid that said um, the Lord has marked on a calendar a day for you to encounter him in heaven. And it's going to change your life and equip you to do what you're really called to do. That's that's the prophecy in a nutshell. And man, I, I, I was in South, Cape Town, South Africa ministering at the time. And when I got back, man, I'm chasing God. I'm beating on his door. I'm knocking on his door. I'm pulling all night prayer. And, and one day when the moment happened, he, he took me in spirit into heaven. And it's a, it's a pretty long story. But at the, at the end of the encounter, this angel brought me before, um, before the throne. And Jesus was walking and pacing in front of the throne as a lion. Whoa. And the angel stood me in front of the lion, and the <laughs> Jesus, the lion, looked at me, and he said these words. He said, tell my people, if they believe in my prophetic word, they too will experience their portion. And he breathed on me. Oh. And when, when the lion breathed on me, whoo, my God, I, was, I, I came back into my body, and I laid on the floor for hours, and I, I was shaking. I was trembling. But the importance of the encounter was so it was so supernatural. It changed my life because it was a call. It was an apostolic call of prophetic power. Yes. And when when I when I would stand, um, you know, I would before the encounter, I could prophesy periodically over people. Okay, I could I could wait on the Lord. He would give me a vision, and I would minister to an individual. And it would only happen maybe a couple, two, three, four, five a night. It wasn't like massive. But after the encounter, you could line up people from from here to Toronto. And I could stand in front of a person and the Lord would give me vision. And he would speak to me. I would lay my hand on people. And what you saw last night happen, that started to happen. Person after person after person. And my reliance was on the vision of the Lord and not in... You know, me building messages and stuff, right? And so I'm telling you the story because, number one, it should make you jealous. It it should entice you to say, I want my encounter. Okay? There is no excuse why you cannot have the encounter that's going to change your life and launch you into your your purpose and calling. Amen? The encounters you have are like building blocks. Okay? When Jesus took... Peter, James, and John up the mountain and let them be, let them see him transfigured. Um, the voice came out of heaven and said, this is my son in, 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 in whom I'm well pleased. And, and there's, a, there's a word in that phrase. It's the word saying. It's actually the word Lego. Um, it's where we get the Lego toys, building blocks. It, yeah. mean, it means building blocks. Mm-hmm. And the phrase that came out of heaven as the Father spoke, it actually means that when the voice comes out of heaven, every block builds you. 
Wow. The concept is every time you encounter the Lord, you go from a, a, from a one-story building to a five-story building. Then you encounter him again, and he launches you to an eight-story building. Then all of a sudden, you encounter him again, and he builds you. And all of a sudden, over time, you're the skyscraper that is so big that you overpower the region because of how he built you. That's so good. Come on, man. Hey! Come on, so come on. I mean, I mean, if you really knew the revelation that you're getting in, the, in this moment, the hunger and thirst for him to build you, the scripture doesn't build you. Scripture supports. But what his voice, when his voice comes out, he actually makes you. He reveals what you really are according to the books in heaven. That's so good. There are books written of every one of you in heaven. Yeah. Right? You are in Christ, and yeah. all the library of heaven was written before the foundation of the earth. Yeah. Right? And when you are in Christ, your particular book, your library, as you encounter the Lord, the Lord begins to build you according to, to the story he wrote about you instead of the way the world yeah. wrote about you. Yes. Come on, baby. I want my encounter. I mean, come on. I want the next thing you're going to give me. I want it. In fact, I can't even contain myself. I'm so electric for the next thing. Build me, Holy Ghost. Say it with me. Say, Jesus. Send your Holy Ghost into my bedroom, into the intimate place, and build me. Come on. Lego me. Lego me. Come on, I want my building blocks. I want my building blocks. Reveal who I am. Reveal who I am. On earth. On earth. As you've made me in heaven. As you've made me in heaven. So here's the kicker, okay? What, would, what are you going to look like in a year from now when, when, you, when you have your encounters? Supernatural, giant killers, having abilities that are way beyond anything that the world can explain. This guy, this guy named Dave, all he used to be able to do is drink and work, drink and work, drink and work. And now all of a sudden he stands in front of people and proclaims the vision of God for people's life. And it goes on for hours and hours and hours. And the presence of God comes. How does that happen? All, I, all my testimony is, is I, I used to drink myself. I used to numb myself because of the pain of separation in my heart. And all of a sudden, I encountered this living God in the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and I couldn't stop praying, and he kept encountering me. Hmm. And he built and revealed something in me that I, could, I knew that I couldn't do it. Yeah. I knew. I was 35. I had worked harder than anybody around me. I was a high achiever. I worked harder. I got more degrees. I have two undergraduate bachelor's degrees. I have a master's in engineering, and I have an, M- an MBA. I, I worked harder than anybody around me, yet I was still alone. I was still broken. And I'm like, is this all the world has to offer? My, my goodness, why do I live? What is this? I actually said the words weeks before I got baptized in the Holy Spirit. I said, Jesus, if you're real, you better come show me because this is, this is junk. This is junk. Absolute junk. Who wants to live powerless as a victim and a slave in this world? Not me. And so my value of the, I, the Lord, I didn't know if the Lord had set me up. I, I had been, I was 35 and I realized that in my own strength, it was worthless. This whole thing was, it was, there was, what was the point? 
And when I, when I was baptized in the Holy Spirit and he began to reveal to me my value system, I knew that I was dead without it. And with the Holy Ghost, he made me something that I could never make myself. And so religion never really had a chance to grip me because I was in the world religion. And so whenever I got baptized in the Holy Spirit, I'm looking at all these people trying to achieve scripture, try to become something like something doesn't, something doesn't jive. Yeah, come on. This doesn't mix. These people are dead, but people who trust in the Holy Spirit are alive in Christ. They literally are alive. And so your, your value system of the Holy Spirit is the punchline with this, guys. And so last thing I'm going to teach you about, and we're going to pray a little bit. A lot of people don't understand the gift of tongues and why tongues are, are the ultimate key, the, the, the key of the Holy Spirit that gives you access into the supernatural. Your will, the Lord does not overpower your will, but he wants to reveal himself in love that you would give your life. Okay? He's asking <laughs> He's asking you to love him to the same degree that he loves you. And that love affair is what produces something that the world can't understand and can't stop. It is the love affair that tongues plays a huge part of. Tongues are a love language. Tongues are a love language. Tongues are a love language that gives you access to enter the throne room. Gives you access to enter the bedchamber. The most intimate place in the house of God. The place of intimacy. The place of revelation, the place of healing, the place of presence, the place of power. And so the Lord, the Lord is awakening a love affair with you that you would love him to the same degree that he loves you. And your will, he will never overpower your will, but he'll give you the ability to respond to him with the same fervency that he comes to you. Whoa, come on. And so your prayer life is a reflection of your heart. <laughs> Sorry. So good. Your prayer life, not how many times you stand in, in, a, in a great service. That's right. Even though there's an outpouring, not, not, not uh, the purpose of the outpouring is that he reveals yourself, but in your private time, in your own place, you give your heart, your will to the presence of the Lord. You fall in love. Religion and love are way different. One's dead and one's alive. Oh, yeah. And so, and so when you decide... To chase him with all your heart. The Lord doesn't leave you unable to enter. He gives you a key that will open heaven's door to get you into the secret place. That will get you into face-to-face encounter. Tamoma Sete And so as Paul is revealing the purpose of the church and the power of the church in 1 Corinthians 14, he actually references a scripture when he's talking about tongues leading to prophecy and those who prophesy speak into people's hearts and they fall down on the floor and say, God is with us. He's alive. He surely is living. Right? 
And he references it all starting with this scripture. And he <laughs> This is Isaiah 28, 9, 11. Of all the of all the Bible, of everything there is, this is my 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 favorite revelation in the whole Bible. He actually asked the question, to whom will I teach knowledge? The word knowledge there is the word yada. Yeah. This is, this, is, this is Isaiah 28, 9 through 11. I'm, I'm going to read this to you out of the Amplified. Mm. To whom will I teach intimacy, mm-hmm. knowledge, the knowing of the Lord? To whom will I reveal myself? To whom will I give my heart? To whom will I build? To whom will I make supernatural? To whom will I talk to? To whom will I release heaven on earth through? Whom will I love? He, he gives you the question that you're supposed to ask. How do I get this intimacy? And to whom will he make to understand the message? How do you understand the spirit? And and he kind of gets facetious here. He says, is it those who are babies just weaned from milk, taken from the best, taken from the breast? Is it... The, is it the guy standing in the pulpit repeating scripture, line upon line, here a little, there a little? Right? You've heard the scripture, right? You guys are in the charismatic world. So he actually says, is it the Pharisee trying to act religious, repeating and regurgitating scriptures? <laughs> and he gets to verse 11, the most powerful verse in all the Bible. And he says, No. I will teach, the word teach there is the word encounter. I will encounter my people with a stammering lip and another tongue. And you say, well, that doesn't make sense. Yeah, to the natural mind, the philosophical tree of knowledge of good and evil people, it does not make sense. But to the Lord who boggles the mind, who uses supernatural things that man can't figure out says this is my way i give you a love language and this key this key enters the door of heaven and the door of heaven opens and all of a sudden you find yourself talking to the lion and the lion has a mission for you the lion has an assignment for you the lion has an impartation for you and makes you something you can never make yourself Amen? Amen. No, but I will teach you with a more humiliating way. The way that you can't take any credit for. It requires a a, a, a humble heart to say, your way, Lord. Your way. Your way. Your way. And if there's anything you take away from this weekend, it's your assignment to love the way of the Spirit. To set your mind and will on the way of the Spirit because there's no excuse for you. Yeah. I've just explained more to you than most people get when they come out of a supernatural school. Yeah. The key of power and authority and love and relationship is in your hand. Yeah. And if you will use it, your prayer life will, will manifest yeah. His presence in your life and the glory of God will be made known to the world through you. That's right. Because here's the deal. This, this word, stammering lip in another tongue, is actually a, it's a Hebrew description of a baby crying for its mother's milk. When a baby cries, does a mother have to say, Oop, better turn on the milk. Got to get this baby some milk. Or does when the baby cries, 
Do you ever see a newborn, a mother with a newborn? Baby's crying and all of a sudden, all you see are two big wet spots on that mama's shirt. I got to get the baby fed. I got to get the baby fed. I got to get the baby fed. And the Lord is describing to you what it's like when you, as a child of God, use his love language to cry out to be fed, to eat from the tree of life. Wow. He promises that if you cry in my language, I will look your way. I will feed you. I will not hold vision. I will not hold my plan back from you. I will build you. I will make you. I will give you your heart's need and desire and equip you. Because we're intimate. You're speaking my language. Man, when I landed in Hindi, or in India, and I'm looking around, and they're, you know... All they're doing is speaking Hindi. I'm thinking, my gosh, I'm lost. I need an interpreter. Right? I need an interpreter. Thank God my interpreter met me and, and, and took me around the country. Well, who's your interpreter? That's right. Yeah. And all of a sudden, the Holy Ghost interprets what you're crying out. Right? Romans 8, 26, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Holy Spirit makes intercession through you with a groaning that you don't understand. Verse 27, now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is. Who's he? If the, if the mind of the Spirit is praying through a man, knowing your heart, that's the Spirit of God praying through you, who is he who knows the mind of the Spirit? It's Jesus sitting yeah. at the right hand of the Father. You see, it's actually rigging in your favor. Yes. If you get the way of the Spirit, Jesus has secretly rigged it in your favor. That if you submit to the way of the Spirit and you say, all of a sudden the Holy Ghost is speaking to the one who sits on the right hand of the Father with all power, all authority, waiting for the Spirit to, to reveal your heart. And all of a sudden, boom, he says, yep, Dave needs this. It's time for Dave to get that. It's time for Dave to have this revelation for this guy who he's going to get delivered. People say, how do you you learn to prophesy like that? The first thing the Lord taught me is how to pray. He he literally, there was a year that the only books I read, and I've read probably 500 books in in a 10-year period, I was, reading new, I was reading supernatural spiritual stuff all the time. And there was a year where all I did was read about the gift of tongues. And that was the Lord's doing. He taught me how to pray and how to value His language, how to value His prayer. And all the supernatural stuff and the launching and the purpose and calling and all that happened out of a heart that carried Him. Yeah. Amen? Amen. Um, my question to you is, tell me about your prayer life. Where you at? Have you been ripped off? Or have you sought him with his, with his authority and power that he puts in your heart, the Holy Ghost, that will open that door and get you into the secret place? Come on. When you learn to pray and recognize that his Holy Spirit is the most powerful gift that he could give you, it's what led Christ through earth. It's what resurrected Christ from the dead. You may feel dead, but you know what? When Jesus was on that cross, he had to trust that the Holy Spirit was going to come and raise him up. 
Yeah. He had a decision to say, you know what, we got this far and it's all good, but I can't, I can't go through with it. I can't give up the ghost because I don't know if the Holy Ghost is really going to raise me up. But Jesus, knowing that unless he would give up the ghost so that the ghost could raise him up, he could never give the ghost to you. Yeah. That's a picture of you laying down your heart, your yeah. will, yes. That's it. and saying, not my will, not yes. my way, but your yes. will be done. And the only way you realize and get His will is by the way of the Spirit. Yeah. You see, as your prayer life develops over the next year, this is going to be a supernatural army. Yeah. You're not going to be stopped. That's right. The Lord's going to wake people up, tell you to go here, say this to this person. You're going to come into this place. There's going to be new people gathered out in the street, and there's going to be prophetic um, snipers in this place. Yes. Yeah. The Lord gives specific details of the, what he wants to talk about, what he wants to release yeah. that actually cause people to be shifted out of dead religious processes yes. into knowing the living God. Yes. Say this with me. Say, Jesus, Jesus, I'm giving you my heart today. I'm giving you my heart today. I am going to make it a point, I'm going to, make it a point to, pray to pray in your language, in your, language. your love language. Your love, language Your love language is what I value. Is what I value. It is what will reveal my need. It's what will reveal. It will help me in my weakness. It will help me in my weakness. It will awaken my gift. It will awaken my calling. My calling. To do Your will. To do Your will. To know Your heart. To know Your heart. To go where You send me. To go where You send me. And to stop playing church. Stop playing church. I'm dedicating my life. To pray, to pray in your love language, your love language. every day. Every day. Jesus, Jesus, come change me. Come change me. Thank you for joining this week's episode of the School of the Holy Spirit. For more information or to request David at your church or conference, please go to davidcuppet.org. D-A-V-I-D-C-U-P-P-E-T-T dot O-R-G or fivestoneministries.org. You can also find the School of the Holy Spirit podcast on iTunes, Spotify, and Charisma Magazine. For a deeper dive into the Holy Spirit, we encourage you to purchase David's new book entitled Wisdom-Filled Warriors, available on Amazon. We pray that you will encounter the Holy Spirit in a transforming way and become all that Christ has prophesied over your life.